Welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. This is your host, Corey Cottrell. We've got my very good buddy, Rio Vernier. Hey, guys. And uh, we got Jamie, otherwise known as uh, UBI for America, on. How you doing, man? Hey there, good. How are you guys? We're fucking fantastic. Uh, Jamie, <laughs> um, and, and Rio reminded me of this. I, I, I saw this as well. You had an awesome thread up about uh, um, the fact that apparently there's a couple different versions or attempted versions of, of UBI. Uh, right. We want to we ask you that about that, and I think our, our consensus position is that Andrew Yang's uh, 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 already fucking figured that out. Shut up and just fucking you know get get in line. <laughs> Only right. you guys will probably have more intellectual and polite ways of putting that. I would imagine. Uh, but anyway, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like introduce yourself. You know, let uh, let our listeners know uh, who you are. Sure. Uh, my name is Jamie. I'm from Philly originally, living in Southern New Jersey now. Been interested in UBI for probably like six years, maybe seven. Wow. And first heard of Yang on Sam Harris's podcast. And, and then I read his book right after that. And, you know, when I first heard him on Yang's, I mean, on uh, Sam Harris's podcast, he seemed like it was just running to advance an idea. But it wasn't until I read his book and then when he started ramping things up at the end of 2018 that he seemed like he was legitimately running. And I was fully on board at that point. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what happened with me as well. Now, granted, like I've been tracking UBI for about three, three and a half years, so you've been uh-huh. you've been tracking this for for considerably longer than I have. It was and, and it was exactly that. Like Yang's running, right. you know, on UBI. Like, well, this is right. an interesting sort of uh, uh, issue candidacy or whatever. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And then right. he starts pulling higher than like ten sitting U.S. senators. You're like, wait, mm-hmm. wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I was that's still nuts. probably going to vote for him in any event. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, I mean, but I mean, I wasn't going to become like an activist for him until I saw that he was really making an effort at running, not just right. you know doing like an internet campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So, uh, so real, maybe tell tell us a little bit about t- like when you saw this uh, this thread of Jamie's, uh, you know, what uh, what made you want to invite him on today? Well, as you know, Corey, um, I spend a lot of time arguing with people on the left on the internet. Can confirm. <laughs> It is and awesome. It was very refreshing to see uh, Jamie's post because he was like, uh, okay, you guys, this, this debate between a so-called progressive UBI and a so-called, quote, libertarian UBI is really counterproductive. Um, it, it really stems from a fundamental misunderstanding of the whole point behind a universal basic income, which is that it's supposed to not just be another you know, means-tested thing that's stacked on top of other means-tested things. So, um, yeah, so I thought, you know, it's been a little while since we did a whole episode about UBI. It is still very much in the national conversation. I fully expect a Joe Biden administration with Andrew Yang in it to eventually come out in favor of it, much like Biden evolved on same-sex marriage. I mean, like, we all know he supported it from the beginning, but Obama and Biden would not have been able to get elected if they had openly supported it back in 2008. And so I think that's just what's happening with uh, UBI right now. I think that I think the Biden administration is looking at a very unpopular incumbent at a time when the economy is bad um, and we have this horrible pandemic going on and they're, they're thinking, you know what, maybe now isn't the time to gamble with a, a policy that's newly on the horizon and we don't really know how the American people are going to respond to other than, you know, some very preliminary early polls. So I expect them to come out in favor of it while, while, you know, during the administration. And even if they don't, I think that Yang has a better chance when he's president, you know, followed up by the administration than the Trump one. So yeah, I wanted Jamie to, to, uh, to come on and, and 
talk us through, in his words, why he also thinks that the progressive versus libertarian UBI is. Yeah. So pointless. could you, Jamie, could you sure. outline for us what the, the two differences of those things are? Sure. So in, in the UBI debate, it often devolves in progressive circles into a debate between the so-called progressive version, which is basically just taking the UBI and just throwing it on top of all the existing programs with no changes at all, versus the so-called libertarian version, which is where there's any reduction or consolidation or removal of the existing patchwork. So that's basically, you know, and, and so they, the, yeah. Just, just to clarify, so they call it like, sure. like, like Yang's would be a libertarian version then yeah. because it sort of uh, uh, starts dismantling that. Like, like I, I've, seen, I've seen progressives do that so many times. Right. And like the, the I, 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 I struggle with it, obviously, just because like, listen, like the, the sheer mm -hmm. number. So said, like, I think the biggest example of this, was I, I saw, you know, people on the uh, majority report, I used to listen to all the time and mm -hmm. literally will never listen to again. Um, basically start with that argument like oh my god like how, how dare you you know ruin that these right. same people don't know that welfare isn't helping 30 uh, percent of the people that it's supposed to be helping you know right. and and will never admit the fact that it uh, uh, people on welfare if you go and talk to them if you give them the choice between twelve hundred dollars in welfare a thousand dollars in ubi they'll take the ubi every time because they want to do st other stuff if it comes around right. uh, and of course they're gonna get penalized for it if they if they don't and so it's just like it, it it i wish progressives which i mean i've called myself a progressive for fucking 15 years now mm -hmm. i wish they would and, and i i don't mean for this to sound mean but think like at all but it's like just to, to start using your brain parts because mm -hmm. again like we're all supposed to be bleeding hearts right like i sort of feel like at the at, at the core of of every progressive is somebody who genuinely wants to see the wrongs in the world righted as quickly right. as humanly possible right okay cool right we all start at the same place how do you like if you have the, the capacity to pass a ubi that will actually pass on a consensus basis right mm -hmm. where it's actually you know going to uh, uh give people the option if you want to stay on your welfare you fucking go ahead have enjoy that right yang's first or whatever if you don't want to change absolutely categorically don't but if you do want to change here here is this whole thing and we can all be part of this whole thing uh together destroys the stigma of welfare you know all these all these crazy right. benefits um and and of course the 30 percent of people that should be on welfare that aren't everybody who's homeless yada 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 over and over and over again right so right. what you're saying is uh, to these hypothetical progressives we definitely don't want that for checks notes reasons well, I mean, th there's a couple things. First of all, I think a lot of the resistance to anything that touches the existing framework is just a kind of like, you know, partisan tribalism because the means-tested welfare state is, you know, was created by the left. It was created by the Democratic Party. Yeah. And anything that sort of acknowledges that there's a problem with it is kind of like a gift to the quote-unquote other side. So I think there is some resistance to even, you know, like engaging with it on those grounds. Interesting. But then the other thing is that, a progressive, the so-called progressive UBI doesn't even really make sense because you can't even have it because in a, in a means-tested system, if you gave everyone $1,000 a month, they're not even, most people aren't going to qualify for half of these programs. I didn't even so, <laughs> so there's going to be an automatic reduction in the welfare state by virtue of a reduction in poverty. And the, <laughs> right. And they could get around that if they wanted to by exempting the, um, 
the UBI from the means testing. Oh, oh my gosh. No, Jamie, I'm so glad you brought that up. I would like right. to talk a little more about that because I wasn't even aware that there were people who were going that far until I read your thread. And then I started diving into it and it was like, oh my God, this is, mm. they found it. This is the worst UBI policy ever. <laughs> Just couldn't believe yeah, that. I, I mean, Scott Santons wrote about that in, in his one article about how, you know, the freedom dividend was the most progressive policy. And, you know, he basically lays out the fact that in, in three different scenarios, someone on welfare as it currently is, someone on just UBI, and someone on UBI plus welfare, they see the smallest percentage increase in terms of if they got a job. Therefore, there's the, the most work disincentive. So all of the sort of criticisms that UBI gets from the right are mostly true of the version of UBI where it's UBI plus full welfare with no reduction at all. Yeah. I like, I sort of hope like in, in my circles, you know, progressive morning show and, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, we've been, well, I've been hard on Yang since it came out. I've been telling everybody who's listening to any of my media about UBI for a long time. So they were, I think they were kind of primed for it. Mm -hmm. So there were some, you know, kind of arguments about it. There was some kind of initial resistance on the, the, the welfare side just, mm -hmm. and it came from a lack of understanding. Right. Uh, because I talk about this so much, you know, the second that that the adults in the room were like, oh, shit, no, this totally would be better. It That was the space of about a week worth of conversations, and it's never come up. This, of course, was a year ago. So, you know, sometimes I wonder if people just haven't, you know, been given the space to think it through. But obviously, mm -hmm. I think you're, you're right about the tribalism. Like, I haven't experienced that myself, but like, I have right. to own that that's a possibility, just because I'm not sure what else would really explain it, right? Like, yeah, I don't yeah like what what else could i know what else could explain oh, it <laughs> for fuck's sake of course you do <laughs> well actually i'd be curious to know if jamie would agree with this i mean the thing to keep in mind is that people could be motivated to support this policy or not that policy for a lot of different reasons right mm -hmm. um i just know that there are some people who seem not to share my priorities and values which is fine i don't expect everybody to right but I would suspect that some of the reasons why I prefer the, quote, libertarian version of the UBI, um, which is a real UBI, um, is, it are also the same reasons why some people who don't share my values would not prefer the, quote, libertarian version of the UBI, right? And so to me, I like the fact that it is empowering people to get off of welfare. I don't see welfare as a good thing. I see welfare as a bad thing. I see welfare as um, a Band-Aid, right? So when you have when you have when you're cut when you have a cut you you want to you know disinfect it and put a bandaid on it but eventually it heals is the idea and you take mm -hmm. the bandaid off and you go back outside you don't just like, like live your life what like a cast like you break your leg you put a cast on that's it. a better thank you, you my metaphor was a little bit weak <laughs> but I, I was picking up what you were laying down I wouldn't have thought about it unless you said that but yeah you're basically right. wearing a cast you want to wear the cast yeah. for the rest of your fucking life no. Well, and it, 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 it also relates to the disability issue, which is something else that people worry about um, with regard to UBI. I mean, the, like, you know, people would be amazed at what the average disabled person could do if we didn't outlaw their contributions to the economy. Right now, in order to get disability or welfare, we tell them you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed mm -hmm. to start a business you're not allowed to invest in the economy because as soon as you start making any money, we take that away from you. So I like the fact that the UBI creates a fair floor. It's a social safety net. It's better than a social safety net because a social safety net is just there if you fall. UBI mm -hmm. is there when you're flying. 
You know what right. I mean? And you know it'll be there if you fall. And the whole time you're flying, you could be using that UBI to build your own wealth. And mm -hmm. so here's my, here's my take on it. I think that some people, whether they admit it or not, want people dependent on the government. I think some people don't believe in freedom. And, and I actually, actually, I don't, it's not even a speculation because I've seen some people on the left will explicitly tell me, and, and, and this does go all the way back to Marx, passive income is a bourgeois vice. Right. I mean, you talk to the silliest people on the left. Like I, I mean, I'm not God, sure. I mean, Marx was one of the smartest people who ever lived. He no, just that's happens fine. to be wrong. That, that's, I, wouldn't, that's I mean, fine. I wouldn't call him no, silly. I'm telling you, like, like I've, I've, I've been, you know, considering myself on the progressive left for my entire, you know, uh, political uh, awake life. Right. I have never in my life met people as dumb as the ones that you meet on Twitter. Just never. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, it's like you're a magnet for communist weirdos. I, see, I don't know, Corey, I actually have a theory about that. And then I really want to let Jamie talk again. Um, but I've been thinking about this. Because you spent a lot of time in the company of Bernie Bolsheviks, right? In 2016. And, well, you did. I, 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 right? I technically was one, if you want to get super insulting about okay. it. Well, you were never one. Because I defined a Bolshevik as somebody who wasn't going to vote for the nominee, right? Oh, so that, well, yeah. You know, the 80% of Bernie Sanders supporters who are going to vote for the nominee, I have no problem with, right? There's no harm in voting for your preferred candidate in the primary. It's just That's when you refuse whole... to play by the rules afterward that I start to get annoyed, right? That's okay. But you spent a lot of time in those people's company. So did I. But why did I, why did I get those statements from them and you didn't? And my reasoning for it is not, I, I don't think it's because you never met any of those kinds and I did. I think it's because we were coming at them in different perspectives. They saw me as the enemy, whereas they saw you as a friend. They had no reason to show their cards, as it were, with you, right? Whereas if I'm pushing them on it, and I'm saying, but why do you prefer this and not that? Eventually it comes out that their worldview is. Whereas you might, you, you and they might just kind of take it for granted that you have more or less the same worldview. And so there is no need to actually get into the nitty gritty like that. Okay. Okay, so I want to let I'm Jamie I'm not sure I buy it, but it's plausible. <laughs> All right, go it's, ahead, Jamie. I mean, I haven't met too many people like that. I mean, I have met a few, but it really is a minority. I mean, I think there is that, you know, the concept of workism is operative on the, you know, economic far left for sure. They do believe that you should have to work. You know, that, that's weird, that, right? You know, like that. It is strange. It's like some kind of romanticism about like, you know, like railroad workers from like 1912. You know what I mean? Like, or just maybe weird. like union or coal culture. miners, if you're yeah. talking about the alt right. Like, yeah, a yeah. part part of me starts to wonder if it, because again, like we've had to fight for 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 union and labor power for mm -hmm. so long, that I wonder if that didn't sort of sneak into the into the culture, right? Like the the people mm -hmm. that that are making passive income, like oh, they're all fucking terrible. When what we're really trying to say is like, no, we want to give everybody the equivalent of a quarter million dollars so that you're just going to get right. the uh, dividends off for the rest of your life, and. Like it's it's infuriating that that doesn't immediately go like yeah okay let's fucking mm -hmm. do that right like, like how is this not making sense to you? Uh, now, yeah, super what's interesting though is that right now we're seeing the fact that the so-called progressive version of UBI does create a work disincentive because look at the increases that they've done to unemployment, where instead of giving people money unconditionally, they just upped the amount on top of the unemployment, and now people are making more than they were making previously, and they're not working. Okay, Mark Cuban on, uh, did you guys listen to that on? Right, uh, right, uh, yeah, yeah, they were yeah, talking Docs. about that. Like, he, he basically was like, I'd be for UBI, except then people wouldn't be incentivized to be, you know, productive members of society. And literally, like, like if you boil down what his statement yeah. is, it's like, 
no, I would be for UBI, but people need to be terrified of starving to death. Otherwise they won't work for my companies enough. Uh, right. It's, but, it's really dark. But of course it's exactly the other way around. And you know, like I like Mark Cuban. I like that he goes after Trump for being a fake billionaire. I find that very funny. Amen. Points. Right. For sure. So kudos to for him for that. Hopefully he'll eventually figure this out, but uh -huh. he must know that's not true. I mean, if you want to attract the best talent for your business, you make it worthwhile to them and making it worthwhile to them means that you are, you want them to be gainfully employed. You should, you don't right. just want them to be living paycheck to paycheck. Right. You didn't and listen. so this is actually going to, to save him money. He doesn't actually have to pay them as much because they're going to have this extra passive income on top of it. You didn't listen to him, did you? Oh, <laughs> I did not listen to that. Particular okay. Because if you did, you wouldn't have just said that. He absolutely, and I, I don't get me wrong, I believe you. Right. <clears> and if he was thinking uh, uh, rationally in the same way I keep yelling at my fellow progressives to think rationally, this wouldn't be an issue. But yeah, no, it's, it's really clear that he absolutely categorically believes what he's saying. Because um, it's like a constant thing that Yang kind of pushed him into a corner on. And he just absolutely like, I just can't do it because then people wouldn't want to be productive. And then he would bring up the, the, the fact that like people are getting too much in, uh, 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 in unemployment insurance right now. And it's stopping mm -hmm. some people from coming back to work. And again, so like those people could then turn around, those companies could come around and do exactly what you said, which is like, okay, well, you know, if they've got a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, leverage, as a labor force, then we have to adapt accordingly on our side, yada, yada. But that's never been the way that corporations work. It's just not. Right. No, I mean, that, that point he was making proved the UBI point, that the, the conditionality is what keeps people at home. If they get the money either way, yep. who doesn't want more money? Exactly. Right. Well, some, and, right. some people might, yeah. but like most people are going to go out and probably I mean, find it, something it, fun to do that, to make more money. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the UBI, but I mean, if you're giving a thousand dollar a month UBI, very few people are going to choose to live that kind of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, unless they want to be a stay-at-home parent or something, you know. And right. And actually, part I of having because I learned how to play guitar in a bus in the Arctic, so I definitely yeah. would have been one of those weirdos to do it. But again, like I am an outlier in that regard. But a lot but of people doesn't... go through like a period of their life where yeah, they yeah. will like find themselves and explore. But like you know, you don't see too many people in their forties like living like bohemians. You know what I mean? Or even if they were, what difference does it make? Because right. like at, right. right now, if they want to game the system, they can do right. that by, you know, claiming disability or, you know, welfare or something. Sure. Like there's ways of doing that already. At yeah, least yeah. this is fair where everybody gets the same amount and then we compete for it. So Jamie, I wanted to comment on a couple of things. One was your point about the increased um, uh, um, insurance for um, unemployment. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, like under the circumstances where people were incapable of working, right? Not, right. You know, temporarily, it made sense mm -hmm. to increase unemployment. I supported that. Mm -hmm. But it, you're right. It would have been better if they had just done a bigger, longer stimulus and not tied it to unemployment insurance. Right. And I'm seeing it play out in the small town um, in Northern California on the Redwoods Coast where I am right now. There are lots. This is a place that prides itself on its local family-owned businesses. It's very American in that way, right? And a lot of the local businesses have not opened yet, even though they can now, because they realize that with the current restrictions as they are, where it's like um, if they open, um, they can only serve like half the number of tables because tables have to be further apart. And there's all this stuff going on, right? So they, they're realizing that their employees are actually making more money on unemployment right now than they would make if they were working. And so they don't open because if they were to open, their employees would lose money, right? Well, that's, so that's not only disincentivizing work, it's disincentivizing business. It's actually really bad for the economy in the short term, right? 
Um, so that's the first thing I wanted to comment on. I, I, want, I want to let you riff on that before I, I come back on something else. Yeah, I mean, you know, there needs to be more thought given to all the downstream effects of certain policies. And that's one of the reasons I think UBI is so powerful is that it really like slots so many things into place. You know, like it's not, it's not the cure to everything, but it like, it, it improves so many things, you know, yeah. because it doesn't, it plays off of things. You know, you're not like swimming upstream, you're swimming with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And at, Corey and I are seeing that. Well, we saw that as we went through Andrew Yang's platform, right? And saw mm -hmm. how he kind of like made UBI was sort of informing his other policies. Right, right. And we're seeing that now as we're, you know, doing this experiment of creating our own platform from scratch, we're, mm -hmm. we're realizing that the UBI comes up in every single conversation because the fact that it exists makes solving every other problem easier. So you're right. right. It's not that it's a panacea in the sense that it solves all problems by itself, but it is certainly something that is so fundamental that it makes solving every other problem easier. I mean, it's the flexibility of money. If you have money, you could do all kinds of things with it. So yeah, as opposed to yeah. the government telling you what they are going to do on your behalf with your own money, which is what right. our current system does. Especially in a system where we're, we're clearly willing to go $55 trillion in debt to make sure that Wall Street is fine. Mm -hmm. Right, like it, it, and it, and that bubble is going to burst, and all of that uh, uh, market value is going to disappear. Like it just that that's a thing that's going to happen. Um, when what we really could have done is infuse that into every single human being in the republic, and mm -hmm. seen everything bubble up. Right, and we're going to see education rates go up. We're going to see crime rates uh, crash through the ceiling. Like the 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 people that will basically be the most screwed will be for profit jails, and they can go fuck themselves. Right, like that. You know, it, it, it's just one of those things where either the panacea thing feels like every time they oh it's not a panacea. I sort of feel like it is, right? <laughs> and I know that we're not supposed to say that, but at the same time, like show me one thing that will have that will move the needle on more consecutive fronts at exactly the same time. Um, and I'll change my mind. I don't think there is anything. Yeah. So the I other agree. thing I wanted to riff on, or sorry, Jamie, were you about to say something? No, no, you got it. Okay. Me. Well, we were talking about the work ethic, right? And the hostility toward the middle class, hostility toward bourgeois values, hostility toward passive income. Um, so the reason I love capitalism is really the reason Adam Smith and other um, philosophers who envisioned it proposed it in the first place. Because when we had feudalism, your ability to go up in society was based on almost entirely on what family you were born into. That was it, right? If you wanted to live a leisure class lifestyle, you were fucked unless you were happened to be born into that family. And then you were kind of, you, you sort of just got it by virtue of your birth. That's not a very fair system right capitalism was 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 pitched as this thing where it's like you can work and you can save and you can invest and you can become part of the leisure class because the only way to actually be truly free the only the only free humans who have ever lived on the face of this earth are people with independent wealth because if you don't have independent wealth you're you are dependent upon the government or an employer mm -hmm. either of whom could take it away from you at any moment right and so what I love about Yang's proposal is he's helping people to think that way. He's helping people to really avail themselves of the benefit of capitalism. Um, and so this, this, this worker, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with believing in hard work. I think that's a right. good thing, right? But the idea that the only way that's acceptable and reputable to earn money is through work is a far left idea 
it's something that 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 communists and um, national socialists have in common. And so I wanted to actually read something from um, this is actually from the uh, obviously an English translation Socialist Workers Party. This is actually part of their platform. The first obligation of every citizen must be to productively work mentally or physically. The activity of individual may not clash with the interests of the whole, but must proceed within the framework of the whole for the benefit of the general good. That's, that's, that's basically from each according to the ability to each according to their, or to their need, right? We, therefore, we demand, therefore, abolition of unearned work and labor incomes, breaking of debt, interest slavery. The abolition of unearned work, right? We demand nationalization of all businesses which, which have been up to the present formed into companies, trusts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That hostility to passive income is hostility to capitalism. That's what it is. I wish more of them had experienced it. Because that's, I think that's the only barrier, right? Because it really is like, I think that that vilification comes from the fact that we're seeing a bunch of oligarchic over overlords accrue exponential power onto themselves through that mechanism right so it's like well fuck let's just nuke that mechanism or this is gonna sound completely mental completely totally change your life and every single person's life you know and your town and your county and your state by everybody experiencing it as well there's a difference between trying to lower the ceiling and trying to raise the floor and we need to make progressivism more about raising the floor Agreed. rather than lowering the ceiling yeah. yeah, and Corey, the, equa the equating of capitalism with kleptocratic oligarchy is part of the reason that we are seeing this, um, this rise of authoritarianism that we're seeing right now. That's part of the populist narrative that leads to the rise of authoritarianism, that leads to people not trusting in institutions like democracy and the rule of law and the constitution and capitalism. So let's be really clear. Let's not say this anymore. Capitalism does not lead to oligarchy kleptocracy leads to oligarchy and kleptocracy is a marriage of business in the state as surely as communism is a marriage of business in the state when people can when businesses can seize the state and and manipulate the state in order to get it to pass policies that are in favor to their business and 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 that disfavor their 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 opposition that's not real capitalism because that's not free trade right and no. so the, the the problem is the problem is we have bad actors who are who are creating too much of a um of a marriage between the business and the state we need to go back to thinking about the value of separating them and that's part of why ubi is good ubi is good because the government gives you the flexibility as the citizen to decide how to best invest your own money right the government needs to treat business that way we need to not be so afraid to let businesses fail sometimes we like we need to let them succeed and fail you know but let's but let but in the in but in that context Let's also create this floor that everybody has. So if your mm -hmm. business fails, you can start over again with your UBI. You're good. Right, right. It's almost like, was that, go ahead, Jimmy. I was going to say, if there was that universal floor, there wouldn't be as much of a panic to try mm -hmm. to keep large companies from going under. Because that, the, way, the way things are currently, we know that most of these people will be out on the street. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, look, they can leverage, the companies can leverage it as an existential threat to, right. uh, uh, to individuals and to, to the counties where they have uh, bases. To, or so they can say that banks, like if banks fail, then everybody who's invested in the bank loses their money, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? right? What we need to do is we need to think more about the, don't think about this in terms of too big to fail. Think about it in terms of consumer protection. 
right? So that banks can't just <laughs> lose your money, right? It's not something they're allowed to do. I mean- So this goes to exactly yeah. what, I, what I wanted to bring up. So I think maybe moving forward, pun intended, the, our consensus position around this, because I, 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 I do agree with you that, you know, linking consciously or unconsciously, you know, uh, kleptocracy, oligarchy, that accruing of power that I talk about all the time as capitalism, um, you know, is, is one of the errors that people are, are making that leads them yeah. to say, fuck it, and blah, 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 right? So when we say capitalism, uh, let me suggest that what we're actually talking about is a well-regulated capitalist system because you can't actually have it without that, right? So like, if you don't have the rules laid out such that oligarchy and kleptocracy and too big to fail and, 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 and are impossible, um, then what you don't have is a well-regulated cap capitalism. And what I will from now on just call capitalism, you actually have kleptocracy or oligarchy. So again, the, the, the situation that we have now in the United States is not in fact capitalism. Well, I mean, it's definitely not. You have social democracies everywhere. And that was, I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast before, right? But it's a, it's a blend of socialism and capitalism. It's a mixed economy, it's called, right? Every, every first world nation has one. And it's because, it's because we recognized that we needed to create a social safety net so that people wouldn't, I mean, basically it's because of the 30s, man. It's because we saw what the plebs do when they can't get, make enough money at their jobs. They throw a bloody fit and kill millions of people, right? <laughs> and elect, well, they didn't actually elect Hitler, but they, they, they enthusiastically embraced him when he seized power. So. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we don't have pure capitalism, and I'm not even necessarily advocating for pure capitalism. But what I'm advocating for is for seeing the concept of capitalism as being anathema to kleptocracy, because it just is, by definition. If we equate capitalism as an idea with kleptocracy, that's just going to lead to, to further um, populist revolt against our market economy. That's a fair point. So, Jamie, I, I want to add more from you because we're notorious on this show for having people on and then talking over them. So I want to make sure you get everything out. <laughs> well, there was one other point I wanted to make, which is on the libertarian version of UBI, even when it gets straw mad, because there's a lot of people, you know, there were a lot of people who were critical of Yang from the left who didn't really want to admit that there was any distance between what he was proposing and what, say, Charles Murray proposes, which is just completely getting rid of everything and replacing it with UBI. Like they didn't even want to admit that there was a difference there. For the record, the, I would love Murray's plan, <laughs> but I'm willing to compromise with y'all. Right. And so like, that's like, right. let's all do that a little better. But, but the truth is even Murray's plan is better than what we have now. That's now it, that, that, that's not yeah. necessarily to say his plan is the ideal one. Cause it's not what I would, it's not what I would advocate. But it's just a sign of how bad what we have now is. And this is, this is the thing that, that, that people, uh, you, you know, progressives. And quite frankly, and, and I told Rio this right off the bat, because obviously everybody got really, really upset at AOC's little tra Trojan horse uh, jumping on that particular bandwagon, mm -hmm. right? She's coming around. And I told everyone then that she's smart enough that she totally will. And I think that like it, it, it takes that, well, okay, Rio, how many times have I told you this? She's already started coming out pro UBI. So it's, no, I get that. But honestly, that just pisses me off because it, I feel like, I feel like there are a lot of Bernie surrogates who used um, these ridiculous arguments. They did the same thing with Medicare for all as well, 
to undermine Andrew Yang because they saw him as a threat to yeah you're you're ascribing to malice what can be explained by incompetence I mean but like it's not even malice it's just a strategy in a primary but it's it's I I just find it I think it's a little gross but that's you're 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 presuming intent where there was none Right, How do you like, know there's no because intent? I watched I watched everybody in my community have to evolve on it in exactly the same way. Well, right, like literally, I'm, I'm dead serious. Everybody okay, I'll grant you my, some of them were just orbit. evolving. Some of them were just evolving. Everyone, like Bernie Sanders himself, was saying, "No, we must have single payer. We must yeah, have single payer." Right, I can't, I can't and then as soon as Yang drops out, he's like, eh, "I guess if we got a public option, it'd be all right." Yeah, no, that made me want to punch myself in the face. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but still, anyway. So, like, th- th- I think, I think there, there is some, some evolution towards that, um, you know, in the progressive wing, and it, I mean, it can't come fast enough, obviously. Uh, mm. But, uh, but yeah, like, it, it, I do love the idea that once people understand the actual math, that you literally could just nuke everything and mm-hmm. give people the UBI, and like the the vast majority of people would be better off. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it, I, every time I crunch the numbers, that's the, that's where I come to too. Right. So Yang's consensus position around, uh, letting people keep it if they want to keep it. Yada, 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 like that. Um, it just, it was, it was well, uh, uh, well built. Yeah. And I've also seen, a, a you know, like an increased call among progressives to try to de-bureaucratize and like universalize our existing programs. Yeah. I don't think a lot of them realize that what they're describing as a UBI, exactly. they're saying like, you know, yeah. like I, I, I've seen people on Twitter call it saying that like, well, you know, you should, there shouldn't be means testing for welfare and there shouldn't be forms. And it's like what you're describing is UBI. Right. Yeah. Well, Rio actually made the, uh, uh, the same kind of case beautifully for uh, single payer healthcare a couple episodes ago. <laughs> no, it was, I didn't. Yeah, you a... fucking did. Go back and listen to it. It was beautiful. <laughs> okay, but Corey, like it was Corey. literally the most beautiful articulated <laughs> argument for single payer healthcare that I have ever heard, and I've been arguing for it personally. For I was comparing the fire yes, department to you were to prisons. It was right? perfect. So if if you assume that the government it's like that the, it's the government's responsibility to provide everybody with healthcare, then your comparison would be right. But if you like me, if your ideal government is just you know providing like a police force and a fire department, not much else, and a military, then they, they, it just doesn't fly. <laughs> you see, right. because there's an extra. The argument that you made, the argument they made, is that like if you're like especially in a pandemic era, right? the fire department or whatever like you wouldn't want to have somebody like come out and 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 and, you know only take care of one person's house if it was going to spread to other houses yada 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 like i mean you can't backtrack now go back well i i can't remember actually i I actually i think that in a brilliant okay i think in a situation like a pandemic the government should step in and and test people like crazy and not all all healthcare is like that to some extent or another oh brother okay Anyway, we have a consensus position on that, which is our healthcare policy, um, mm-hmm. which you can read at movingforwardpod.com. <laughs> By the way, which I want to clip that, that out and put it back in there. Like, we did come to a consensus position, yeah. but dot, dot, dot. And then I'll just throw it in there. All right. <laughs> um, but, like, Corey, I've told you this before. Like, that's not the hill I'm going to die on. I know. I know. Gets, but it, it, it is something to I'm going to bring up over and over again. If it ever gets really to the fun. place that 58% of Americans support single payer, then I'll be like, I guess, I guess we need I, to have single payer, right? I know. But right now, that's that's we're very, very, very far away from that. <laughs> I'm just excited that you finally understood at a core visceral level the argument that I've been making this whole time. 
Um, to, to go back to something else that uh, we were hey, talking man. about with Jamie. Um, yeah, so like that thing about like people have to work. I don't think work mm -hmm. ethic is the right way to put that because a work ethic is a good thing. This is, mm -hmm. a, this is an anti-capitalist way of thinking. It's this idea that if you, if you earn any passive income in any way through investments mm -hmm. or whatever, that's somehow a, uh, an evil, right? Um, that also explains, by the way, to talk about intent, that explains why a lot of people would prefer a federal jobs guarantee over a UBI because the UBI is just the bourgeois vice of passive income, whereas a federal jobs guarantee is a good American gerb, right? What percentage, <laughs> like what, from the number of people that I was having the, the, and I would say maybe a dozen or two dozen people around the federal jobs guarantee, right? Um, I, I never once got that argument about like the sort of the primacy of, of work ethic or workism or whatever. What percentage do you think, you know, of, of died in the world progresses? And I'll throw this at Jamie first, because Rio's going to say like 90% because, you know, he, he, again, is a commie magnet. And we don't really get why. Uh, <laughs> but what, what percentage do you think it, it really has that, that sort of workism bias to it? I mean, I think that's just like a sort of low hum underneath everything that people believe. It's just ingrained into you from society. Okay. And I think on the, when you go further, for, far enough on the left, they view people who just have like idle passive income the way people on the right view like the welfare queens. Like they, they view them as like parasites where they're just these good for nothing people taking from society but not giving. And it's, this like is Landlords all are just making money off of my right, work. Right. Because right. I'm doing the work and they're taking the money. Never mind the fact that those people had to work hard in order to buy a house or, or an apartment building and fix mm -hmm. it up. Yeah. And it's actually a fucking business to run. It's a lot of work to if run I, rentals. Right. If I got my way on the estate tax, I would agree with you on that sense. And then, and then of course, the other thing You're is never if, we had UBI, <laughs> if we had UBI, fewer people would need to rent and fewer people would need to have side gigs as landlords. So there'd be fewer well, landlords. Right. Or they they... they could just fucking rent and not worry about it right so so right. yeah it, it i i like how you framed that as far as you know there there being sort of that that dichotomy on the far ends of the spectrum where where mm -hmm. you know the people that really need to vilify the other no matter what are going to find a way to do it right and so the, right the and it's all based on this idea is how you kind of orchestrate it right and it's all based on this idea that like your purpose in society is to contribute to the you know productivity gdp i mean people don't frame it that way but like if you're if someone says you're a parasite on society what does that really mean it means you're not contributing economically by yeah. their measurement it's like you deserve to start a death but like, I, I keep hearing that underneath all this stuff now and i think it's chet's fault to be honest but it, like it, when you know translating cuban in my head listening to him that's really what it was right like we're in a pandemic and he's just pissed off that people are getting some uh, uh some extra assistance Although we could go back and, you know, find out, you know, he, he, he mentioned in that podcast, he's terrified of, of uh, any of his companies taking uh, uh, any kind of government assistance. But I assure you, uh, they have before um, and certainly are now. Right. And so you might not like it, but, you know, he's he's making tons of money off of that kind of thing all the time. I think almost every corporation that gets to a decent size in the United States is. Um, so like it just, but it, it like translated, it really means like we need to have these people terrified so that they'll come back to work. So Corey, I want to actually talk about, um, the estate tax in the context of this specific <laughs> argument and conversation, right? Yeah. Cause we all I agree feel, that capitalism, when it's working at its best, the, the whole point is to free people 
from having to work or having to be dependent on the government. If people choose to in order to make extra money or because you know it's something to do with their time, right? That's yeah. a good thing, but we want people to be free. So if our goal is to have as many people in society um, have that kind of freedom as possible, why take away the ability of people to pass on their wealth to their children? Because th that's, those are people who, who start out life having already reached that level of freedom, which is our goal. Like if we, in the, if, if, yeah. we, if we were to grow the UBI enough, right, through uh, the positive feedback loop of the GDP, growing the GDP and indexing UBI to GDP, eventually everybody would be born a trust fund kid. You, you know, I, I triggered you on purpose, right? I know, but I'm just saying, like, I, I, I guess it's. So, <laughs> so, but, and again, know, my, but, like, my issue with actually, that, and we talked about this before, my only issue with that, and, 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 you know, you jujitsued me in the last thing, even though it isn't enough, but I took it because it was a nice step because we were waving our magic wand, right? The, the way this ended when we were talking about this for, uh, in our, our tax policy episode uh, was, you know, because he, of course, is for lowering uh, dramatically the estate tax. And I'm like, no, the estate tax should be 100%. Well, um, I'm for doing away with the estate. Tax fine. Entirely. I'm for a hundred percent because <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, meritocracy, in, listen, meritocracy, meritocracy in America is a lie, right? I mean that it just is, it's a complete lie. And the, my biggest problem, and this is what Rio understood <laughs> from the 18 million conversations we've had is that my real issue is once you understand exponential uh, 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 curves of compound interest and compound that with uh, uh, people accruing more political power to themselves with that money, you have a runaway oligarchy that is never ends, right? So that that that's my main concern when it comes to that, not the meritocracy. Because again, I would I see. Love well, but I mean, and, that, and this is where, in that conversation, you basically said, "Well, how about I give you a Citizens United?" Because yeah. of course, we can, you know, we're 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 the judge and jury in our consensus position. But uh, but yeah, so that that so that people are caught up on 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 that and why I keep bringing it up because he really does get triggered by it, and I <laughs> I'm not a nice person. Like I I get that I I, I can be needily just for the sake of it but i want to talk about the meritocracy thing because when you say meritocracy is a lie that to me sounds like another way of saying passive income is a bourgeois vice um a little bit yeah no i'll, I'll take that right? I, I think i think there's i think there's a lot more more to it culturally um but there, there's enough of that that i think that's warranted yeah well, so the, I guess uh, just to clarify the way that someone on the right, like me tends to think, and I pretty much everybody who's economically right wing would sign on with this in my experience, it's that it isn't the government's job to make life fair, right? The government can't make everything in life fair. The government, can, it's not the government's responsibility to make up, for example, for the fact that some people are born with a higher IQ than someone else, or that some people are born better looking than someone else or that some people are born into a richer family than someone else. What we need is we need to ha treat everybody equally under the law. That kind of fairness is good. But the equity, equity as opposed to equality, is not something the right is going to get on board with. And when you talk about meritocracy be not being real, what I hear is, you know, I guess, I guess, I, I, I guess like you have to compare it to like uh, the Middle Ages again, right, Corey? Because I know you agree with this. What we have today is a hell of a lot more meritocratic, right, than feudalism, right? It's way more possible for somebody to move up the ladder now than then. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but it's still, you're 90% you're more likely to get into uh, uh, schools where you're going to be automatically going into a quarter million dollar a year job if your parents have money, right? So I, yes, I, yes, it's so, better, but it's not yeah. like it's good. Well, but again, I mean, 
it's I don't I I I think it's a fool's errand for the if you were to because like how how would you I mean we we came up with a policy called for um ending poverty right and it involved all kinds of hacks that are about shifting incentives and giving people more power in order to make education and healthcare more like something that everybody every American feels like they have choices everybody's getting a good education everybody's getting good healthcare and it was fair right those kinds of hacks I'm for right. But if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're going to set your goal as we must have a society where nobody is ever born with any kind of advantage over anybody else, whether it's okay, looks like, or intelligence not, or family no. wealth. I mean, that's just but that's not, not, not what happen. I said. Like like running straight to that weird absolutist absolutist argument is not what I said. Right? Well, but no, but like it kind if, of it's relevant though because I it, because when really. you say it's when it's, you say it's, it's a, not a real meritocracy, it kind of begs the question: What would not. it take? Yeah, no, like <laughs> that, that is an interesting question that we don't have time for here, but I would love to get into that because I think that, I, that would be. I'd love to let Jamie talk a little more before. Right? Like, it. oh, shit, we have a guest. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, Sorry, buddy. no, that's fine. Uh, I mean, meritocracy does kind of tie in with workism in a way. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's um, a good argument. I, I, I'm compelled by that. You know, and there is an argument to be made that, you know, we should want more people free from the need to work and therefore getting inheritance is one way out of that. Uh, you know, I would be okay with exempting some X percent of inheritance and then having some kind of tax on everything over a certain amount. That's kind of where, that's, that's where we landed. Yeah. Well, and and we, we landed on that in our consensus position too. Oh no, we did away with the inheritance, the estate tax. We did not. Yes, we did. But what we, what we did for is we, we we did a 50% cap on it. No, you didn't. We, 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 it was a hundred million. Yeah, we did. No, it was a 50% tax over, over a hundred million dollars. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's. Different. I mean, just logistically, you know, <laughs> if you if you have things that you need to fund, the money has to come from somewhere. So you do have to figure out how to fund these things. So that's one well, that's one know. mechanism of many. Or, yeah, no, I mean, sorry. We can just we can just print it now. We just like turn the money machine on. Oh God! I, I actually, honestly, I want to do an episode on um on the national debt because I it really terrifies me that now that Trump's taken over the GOP, there's literally nobody concerned about the fact that we're leaving trillions and trillions of dollars in debt to our children. Can we find, can we find someone to explain to me what the actual ramifications are? Because clearly no one cares at all. Right. And, and if you, if you look at inflation, it's actually not having any effect on, on uh, uh, price inflation that we can measure. It's in not fact, we're seeing, the problem we're seeing isn't price inflation. inflation. Yeah. So what, what is it? Like, what are we actually looking at? Like, is it going to be debt yeah. service? Is it going to be this and that or whatever? Like, like, like Trump doubled the national debt by himself, right? Like, and Obama so, almost did. Like, like it's been well, it's going up exponentially. Obama actually at least managed to lower the deficit, which is he, he did. In the right uh, direction. I, I we're at least going in debt more slowly than we were otherwise. But yeah, no, I mean Trump um, hiked the the deficit. Um, we definitely should do a whole episode about that, but it's not just because of inflation. But one thing, that, one one way to look at it is. You think about like let's imagine that you're, and I actually agree. This I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. I actually agree with Trump that China is a problem, right? It's a bad actor. I mean, everybody does. This is just an undeniable fact. China doesn't play by the rules of of uh, global capitalism. It cheats. It 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 it, it steals our intellectual property, um, and and it does uh, um, currency. Uh, manipulation and all kinds of things that it shouldn't be allowed to do, right? So, but but the funny thing is, when Trump talks about our trade deficit with China, he doesn't realize that it is our national debt is a big part of the reason we have that trade deficit. It's because they own twenty five percent of our huge national debt. 
Yeah, well, we'd it, have to do a whole other episode be. about that. But like when so, you owe when you owe trillions of dollars to your number one competitor, that's not good. <laughs> that's debt service and, yeah. and leverage. I I I, I get that. So yeah, it, it's insane. And like, like, like the, what does this even mean now? Like for I, people, I, yeah, mm-hmm. for people like me who are worried about paying a lot of taxes, debt is just taxes that you owe someday. It's like is the taxes true, went though? down temporarily, but in the future they're going. Honestly, if we if we were to try to actually balance the budget um, at this point, we would have to double everybody's taxes. It's just astronomical. Like, or we, there's we no need, way to do it. We now. need to get spending under fucking control. As well, I think that that I think it's not going to be that simple because I think like no, it's you know, not. It's going to be a the, nightmare. The, and, and and this is something like you know when Trump when Trump gets asked about climate change in private, reportedly he just says like eh, I won't be around to deal with that. When the shit yeah, hits the fan, no, right? I mean, that's, and that that's is that is the way that is also the way that he sees the national debt. I mean, like he he he's not a businessman, okay? A businessman is somebody who takes pride in providing a service to customers or a product to customers, right? A mutually beneficial exchange that that enriches them over time, right? And they pay their contractors, they provide the service, they provide they they provide the product they were paid for. That is a businessman, and that is something to be proud of. Trump is a con man. He does. He makes money by promising shit that he doesn't deliver, by refusing to pay contractors, then having the company declare bankruptcy right after paying himself a huge bonus, over and over and over and over again. And that's what he's doing to the United States right now. He is enriching his family, and he's going to leave us with the debt. I'm I'm surprised he hasn't just like made some you know tweet or something saying that like well you know what we're just not going to pay China back. Oh, no, you know? he has said that. He said, he why? Totally he's has. asked his yeah. advisors, oh, why can't yeah. we just not pay them? And <laughs> when they try to explain to him, because it will cause the entire global economy to collapse right. and, 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 and make the U.S. dollar practically worthless, mm-hmm. he didn't understand it because he didn't yeah. pay attention in school. I'm telling you, like every single time he talks about, like it, he literally thinks about the Dow as if it's the entire market. Um, and we'll just do whatever he needs to like he's the president on tv and he says positive thing and the actual market goes up because honestly let's face facts the fucking wall street's irrational as fuck and so that and and when you add a trillion dollars a week in qe and then a trillion dollars a week into fucking interest-free loans for uh, for companies to buy their own stock back like it's dark as fuck up there like it's really really messed up how they're doing this and eventually that's got to come down and then when that comes down the entire economy is going to come down with it it, like like that that the disparity this is why uh, Warren Buffett as an example is taking all of his money out of everything right now right because the disparity uh, and they actually call the Warren Buffett indica- indicator the disparity between the actual uh, uh, value of all of the stocks and their price is the highest that it's ever been and that's the second that gets like I think that that ratio when it gets to about 40 percent he starts taking all his money out it's never been past 50 percent in the modern era and it's at 67 percent right now yeah, and no, I mean, what we're witnessing is exactly what Andrew Yang was predicting in um, the War on Normal People. We're witnessing yep. a complete divergence from the the um, health of the economy as a whole from the like experience of the average American. And Trump has only exacerbated that problem tenfold. It, he was elected by a bunch of working class people who felt like, you know, they were the forgotten man and oh, I'm entitled to a job that pays my bills even though I don't have any skills. So they elected Trump to solve that problem. And you know what? He didn't. He made it fucking worse. And those people are going to turn around and reelect the guy. We got to do something about this, I'm telling you. Because you can't rely on Americans to be smart. I mean, 
Yeah, democracy yes. can be frustrating at times. Amen. Amen. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. And Jamie, my, notice I'm not saying, therefore, let's, you know, make somebody king. Like, as you no, know, no. that is not what I want. But, but yeah, I, I, I think we need, the, the challenge we have right now is that Biden has a significant lead nationally. But all that really matters is how a handful of people in a handful of states are going to end up voting. And yeah, if, if, if Trump's, if Trump's message well about right being the president of the rule of law and all, you know, the wartime presidents and, 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 and blaming everything on, on, on China, the Chinese virus and mm. the liberal and all, I mean, if, if he, if he gets away with that in the right places, then he's going to get reelected. Like, I mean, it's possible he could get, he could get only, he, you know, Biden could get 60% of the vote and Trump could still win. He did a strategy uh, for yeah. reaching well, white working class. Let's let's not forget that their swing states are actually polling. Most of the swing states are polling in our favor right now, except Ohio. Fuck you, Ohio. Uh, the average there is is a little bit swinging, but uh, Arizona looks like it's going to turn. Texas might turn. Georgia might turn. Florida's starting to look really good. I know, but so like the, we the can't concept, afford to let people. We can't concept, afford to let people get complacent. Uh, you're right. No, I, and that's yeah. that's I like. <laughs> I actually wanted to say that and then got all riled up myself. Um, yeah, no, never mind. What I just said about polls. We're <laughs> ten points down everywhere. God damn it. Yeah, because what's going to happen is people are going to say, "Oh, I don't really like Joe Biden anyway. He doesn't support, you know, fill in the blank with I don't want a dream policy that would never pass in a million years. Therefore, I'm not going to vote for him." Like, if you don't vote vote against Donald Trump, you might as well put on a fucking MAGA hat. Like, this is not a normal election, people. This is we are not. This is not Mitt Romney or John McCain versus Clinton or Bush or something like Mm -hmm. that or Obama. Okay. This is America versus the new confederacy of Nazis. This is what's happening. And like, you, they, there's only one side that's morally acceptable to take in that battle. And if you're not going to vote for Joe Biden, put on the damn red hat. Like, look me in the eye and be honest and say, I want to help reelect a Nazi or shut the fuck up. If it's any consolation, I say exactly that to progressives who come on my show. I know they, you do. And this is why we get, get along. They get, <laughs> they get very upset and haughty. I'm like, nope. I, I honestly you. sometimes feel bad for Greg because Greg's like invited people on that I've just jumped down their throat and exploded like a grenade. But I was like, we're, we're either for this or we're not. Like this is either happening at, or I'm a fucking crazy person and we should all just go home and quit. No, it's and, happening. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, America has to send the, the message to the world that this was like a one-time aberration. Yes. If Trump gets reelected, even if it's with a minority of the vote again, which if he did, it probably would be, that like – that's just doubling down on the mistake. Yep. And oh, yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of intangibles that Trump is doing damage to, like the norms and the, and you know, the, the, the damage to the culture and the discourse and just the offices of the presidency. And I don't know how long these things can, can hold up. You can reverse policies, but how do you like restore the integrity of something? Uh, Greg says this all the time. He thinks it's going to take at least a generation for the presidency to make sense again. Well, here's something to keep in mind from a progressive perspective, right? So like, honestly, like my job is a little easier. I, I can unenthusiastically, I did I say unenthusiastically, I can unironically and enthusiastically support Joe Biden because all I want for, from the government is just to go back to some stability and some sane grown-up leadership and, you know, icing on the cake, maybe take a little less of my money. That's probably not going to happen under Biden, but, you know, I can afford to wait a little while. That's all I want. It's easier for me to get what I want. The stability is the first thing that's going to get restored. That's, that's going to be priority number one. 
if you're a progressive and you want to see all of this progress made in society, you can forget about it for a while because the chaos and the undoing of the progress that's already been made and the destabilizing of society, all of that has to get fixed before you can even start on making progress. And, you know, the, 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 I know Corey doesn't like it when I get on this, but you know, the um, protests that are happening during a pandemic is going to make the, it's going, it's going to kill a hundred thousand more people. Um, it's going to infect another one and a half million people. And all of that is going to cost money. It's going to be a burden on our healthcare system. The riots that are going on means that there are, there are, and I know it's not just like Black Lives Matter people who are doing the riots. It's also, you know, anarcho commies and, and uh, fascists, neo-Nazis who are trying to take advantage of the fog of war. But those riots mean that th these communities have to just work on rebuilding what's on the ground. There are small businesses that were struggling in this economy, and then they had their businesses burned down. Okay. All of this is only going to make progress harder because you have to get back to like the starting point first. None of this is wise. Regardless yeah. of the good uh, intentions no, behind it. You're you're totally right. We should just like tell black people what to do right now. But I'm not but like but Corey, do you, you, do you don't think, get to pick when this happens? That's all I'm saying. If, first right? of all, like, first of all, it's not just all, black people who are protesting. Secondly, not all black people are doing it. You know, uh, like right, like I black people have actually you, been listen, more hurt by the pandemic than whites. I am aware of that. Right. <laughs> what I'm saying is that this is an unbelievably ridiculous moment. And they're rising up when they're rising up. And is it convenient? No. It's like, I've been ranting about the pandemic even when everyone was fucking saying I was crazy, right? So believe me, I get that, right? But at the same time, we can't go, it's, it's not useful to go around saying, no, 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 you're not being wise. Cool, Mr. Ivory Tower never been fucking subjugated to any oppression in his entire life, right? Like, that, like, like it's not a position that I think we really have with any credibility. Okay, I want to hear uh, Jamie's take on this, but first I'm going to say something that in the three episodes where we've talked about this, I've tried my best to avoid. <laughs> that's, that's I, you're always like, I just, uh, hold on, I got my seatbelt. Let me just get it. Yeah, Corey likes it when I lead him with, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, you know, it's really fun. It never does any good. There are a lot of racist people in this country. The, the police department needs to be reformed. There are corrupt cops there are corrupt commissioners all of this is true it all needs to be reformed but we need to just put things into perspective here okay about a thousand people are killed by police officers every year right now crime and and police shootings have been down for some time because we have been making progress this goes back to the whole Steven Pinker thing about like people who claim they want progress don't like progress. They don't want to acknowledge when we've made progress and that actually just makes it harder to make further progress, okay? So if you think that a thousand people, and by the way, of those thousand people who were shot every year, most of them were resisting arrest, okay? So like, I mean, you, like, the, if you don't if want to get shot filmed, by a cop, don't resist arrest. No, don't Rio, punch the them in the up. face. Rio, shut Seriously. Up. I'm dead serious. Shut your fucking mouth. You literally do not know what you're talking about right now at all. The half the time that there's resisting arrest, if there was a camera, the guy would have been fucking laying on his face and you don't know that, right? The whole point is if you're in a black community, you're literally terrified for your life all the time. And the only difference now is that it's actually getting filmed to the point where we're actually seeing it, right? So the stats that you and Steven Pinker are talking about are stats written by the police. Like just- So just, you don't believe the data? Just stop. You, you want to say fake news? I ab no, listen to me very carefully and don't fucking pull that shit on me. Please. 
we know for a fact that cops make this shit up all the time, especially when it comes around black people. So don't like all mealy mouth with the fake news bullshit, right? Like what, what I know for certain from this conversation is that you're not even trying to be empathetic with the African-American or black That's community. Not true. It, it doesn't sound like it because you're literally intent you're, to me now. I'm saying I, like, I, oh, I absolutely am. I'm, I'm killing a hundred thousand people, killing a hundred thousand innocent people because a thousand people who were committing a crime, which is resisting arrest, get killed every year. Rio. It's going to take a century for that Dude, to catch up. That's like three or four things are just factually incorrect with that assessment. How do you know it, it's it factually shows, incorrect? Because you don't believe the actual data. On, that's exactly why. Because I don't believe well, the data. Oh, come on, Corey. Look, we both want, believe that every racist cop should not just get fired, but should be sent to jail if, they did, if they've abused their... There's and, nothing, and you, believe there's nothing, you believe that everyone that got shot was resisting arrest? Have you I think that most of them no were, yes. at all? You, like, what? seriously, I feel like you were literally not paying attention to what's been going on at all. But and again, Corey, like, every time I tell, ask you if you've been watching this or if you've seen that or whatever, you haven't. I mean... Do you know how many arrests police make life? every year? Have I looked at the number of arrests? 10 million. Okay. Out of 10 million arrests, a thousand of them, on average, are actually resulting in the person dying, okay? And way more than a thousand people resist arrest. The vast majority of the time people resist arrest, they don't get shot. So no, Corey, like you're making assumptions. I'm not saying that that corrupt cops are good. I'm not saying that, that at all. I'm saying we need to put it in perspective. People see a video and we have our human gut reaction is to say, that must be a lynching that we're witnessing right now. When in reality, it might be, right? But it also very well might be that if it had been a white person resisting arrest, the outcome might've been the same. We can't just assume that this is like, and it's, it's not an epidemic. A thousand people a year is not the same. We've lost a hundred and what, 30,000 people to the pandemic. And these are people who, who did nothing wrong. Now, I, I, I will grant you that some percentage of those thousands, I don't know, we, not, we have no way of knowing, some percentage of those thousands were probably innocent people who should not have been being arrested. But you know, if I was being arrested by a cop and I know I'm innocent, me fighting back and refusing and refusing how many to times go have you been is not going to persuade How many times that. have you been pulled over in your life? I don't know, probably like a dozen times. Okay. I speed a lot. <laughs> no, that 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 checks out. Like it just like I don't even I don't even know frankly where to start. Like I, there there the 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 level of tone deafness is something that I'm having a hard time processing. Cuz like what I'm what I'm getting from you is you haven't paid attention to the fact that cops are actually making up data around uh, uh, like What's like all you have to do listen listen that? all you have to do is look at what the uh, uh, the initial prosecutor and the cops and the police union said about George Floyd every single one of them lied and we have video dude they're lying every time until I see proof that they're not because we know like there's a like at least a half dozen other cases right and again to me, are there good cops like yes but what i'm what i'm saying prejudice is prejudice against police no the system i am absolutely prejudiced against the system that has allowed and encouraged them and in some cases forced them to be like this so if you're if you're if you're being arrested you have a 1 in 10,000 chance of of dying as a consequence of that and yeah unless if you, you gotta, don't resist unless arrest you good, it's unless basically you got a good tan dude that unless you like you seriously fucking need to talk to more black people. Cause like, but Corey, like so you're every telling single... me to listen to anecdotes instead of look at the facts. This doesn't sound when like hashtag math I, to me. I just explained to you and we could do an entire episode on this, right? <clears throat> the, the, the data that we're getting on police killings is garbage. 
So you think that it's, it's actually a hundred thousand a year, not one thousand a year? How much? No, like, I honestly, how, I, I don't. If I only don't. those three million illegals hadn't voted, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> okay, this show's over. <laughs> I want to hear what Jamie has to think about what Jamie says about that. I mean, I do think there are some problems with the data. There's not like a, there, it needs to be more robust and more uniform. Uh, I agree with you know, I think we need to do everything in our power to try to, you know, lower the temperature. And, you know, to cool everything down with this and to, you know, I think some kind of legislation needs to be passed. I think we get, there's a lot of reforms that we need to put in. Um, you know, this really did happen at a really bad time, you know, in terms of with the pandemic, everyone's inside and cooped up, you know, everything from Trump just, you know, simmering, uh, you know, people are out of work. Uh, you know, things like this, I think, you know, if you look through history, I mean, these things happen and it's, you know, you don't need to be a political scientist to see that things were primed for this to happen. And we need to, you know, get more serious about concrete ways to, you know, make people's way of life better, make the, make society, you know, less cruel, more just, and, uh, you know, just try to move things forward. And Trump's only making it worse. I mean, there's some yeah. consensus for you right there. I mean, he's throwing gasoline on the fire. And I mean, like, I, I started out by saying, I think people are right to be angry. I think people are right to be angry about the yeah. fact that our country is being run by an incompetent baby and that our economy is collapsing and that people are dying as a direct consequence of that. I think they're right, right to be angry about that. I really do. I never said otherwise. I also think that there are a lot of racist cops and every one of them should be fired and they should go to jail if they abuse their power. There's nothing, nothing that is more antithetical to liberty than somebody who has been entrusted by the people to use force to enforce the law who then abuses that force. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should be outraged if it happens one time, right? It doesn't, it, 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 like, it, so I wasn't, I wasn't bringing up these stats in order to undermine any of that at all. Like if it was even just one time a year that it happened, that would be worth massive protests because it's, it's a terrible injustice every time it happens. I'm just saying that, you know, we're, we're, we're handling, we're handing, the Trumpkins, this line, because now they're saying like, you didn't like when we were protesting the fact that we couldn't work and now it's okay to do much bigger protests. Have I you mean, looked at the polls on uh, the number of people that support the protests right now? It's I'm just 70, saying like, regardless, 70, uh, listen, Corey, Corey if the poll said 100%, my mom is 70, okay? okay? She's terrified that she's gonna catch this thing and die, okay? I do not, if my mom dies as a consequence of all of this, I don't care if the polls are 100%. It's irresponsible. This was like, we could have done a Me Too online protest. And I think that our side would be taken, would have more credibility if we weren't making hypocrites of ourselves. That said, I 100% agree with what you said, Corey. It's easy for me to say, I understand that like, it's not, it's not like me mouthing out on this podcast is going to convince people not to protest or not to riot. I get that, right? Maybe some percentage of them will, will rethink it, but probably most of the people who are listening to our podcast are pretty affluent. They're probably not the sorts of people who are out there doing these protests right now, you know? So I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to, I don't think that we have enough of a microphone to impact that. But I do think that when we're trying to, we're thinking out loud about how to be as persuasive as possible in our political discourse. And I think setting ourselves up to be rightfully pointed out as hypocrites, is undermining our credibility. And, and also just on a practical level, I'm concerned about people like my mom dying. Also, yeah. did you guys see that apparently being bald makes you at higher risk? <laughs> so now Corey and I are both high risk. So there's huh. that too.
interesting flex. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at the, no, but it's at, like they're, they're literally considering that like a risk. No, I, I know, I know all sorts of people who are who are going out and protesting, and they're the ones wearing the masks, and and no one else is, and they're actually doing the distancing, or whatever. And I realize there's pictures where you can yeah. see that, um, but it's actually a hell of a lot better than being inside anywhere. One hundred percent. Yeah, so, I agree so, with that. So there's that. Like, I'm not, and I'm not saying that it isn't dangerous. I'm not saying there isn't going to be a cost incurred for this. There totally will be. I'm just yeah. saying that a couple, you know, uh, white guys on a podcast don't get to fucking say when people are going to protest and put their lives on the line. Because well, they're putting their lives, they're putting their lives on the line for a reason now, exactly the way they were doing it in front of dogs, and people are going to run them over with horses sixty years ago, right? So like, like getting getting on any kind of pedestal and saying, "No, you stupid kids should go back inside." And again, I I get the fear, I get the you know the problem around the pandemic, I I get that as an issue, right? And 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 you know, just everything after that was was. I'm not even gonna fucking get into that. I mean, now we're I'm sitting here in Florida where dipshit's gonna fucking have a gigantic fucking uh, uh, indoor rally in Jacksonville uh, while you know we're we're literally going exponential. Yes, and those people are doing. I mean, like if they're if they were just putting their own lives at risk, I would be like, good. The more Trumpkins who die, the better. The problem is they're going to go home and give it to their friends and family, who many of whom are going to be old. And and so it's the same problem in both cases. And I acknowledge that protesting outside with masks is obviously way better than inside without them. well and <laughs> like protesting injustice is a little bit more morally acceptable to me than actually just getting together to increase racial injustice if we weren't living through a pandemic i would be out there protesting myself right now and you know who has been out there protesting even during the pandemic fucking mitt romney right and so that really goes to show the difference between what the Republican Party used to be and what it is now. Obviously, you want to be on the side of anti-racism, not the side of racism. That's undeniable. But like, we need to take the fact that 100,000, realistically, 100,000 more people could die as a consequence of this. That is entirely within the possibility. Like, that's scary. It's not good. No. Okay, so I, like, I just, I mean, I, I'm concerned about our side having credibility. Our side yeah. being in the real divide. I want us to be the good guys all the time, not just some of the time. My first suspicion about that is going to end up being correct. I bought into the whole like, oh my God, Nixon law and order thing for a second. We're th no, this this is only helping us because it's it's giving everybody in the country an opportunity to see the fascist piece of shit that Donald Trump is over and over again, up to and including the entire military telling him to go fuck himself. I mean, obviously, I hope you're right. I really do. I mean, like, like that, you'd no, be surprised I, right now. A I know what they're going to try and do. I, yeah. And I've seen, a, I've seen a little bit of it. They were Trump voters already. I'm not worried about them sure. for the most part. Like I could see like a couple like, you know, weird law and order pivots, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that kind of thing. But like the, the polling on it is like, it's, it's, it's heavier polling than I've ever seen. Like 70% of fucking Republicans are on board with this right now. Well, and, and like it just, it's yeah. insane. Like it does like it, the whole idea that, you know, this is going to be Nixon's moment and turning it, it just, that's not how it's going to happen. He's well, you know, you know, if I, if I were, if I were advising Joe Biden, I would recommend that he double down on the strategy he's already using, which is to say that he supports the cause, right? But he doesn't support defunding the police and he doesn't condone rioting and so, so forth, right? Yep. I would recommend that he, because Corey, this goes along with something you said in a few episodes back. I think you're absolutely 100% right about this. Um, the, what was that? You said something about like, if the, if the, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's because Nixon won on the law and order thing because he wasn't president at the time, right? Trump is president right now, right? And yeah. so I think you're right that a lot of people are going to say, well, if you're the law and order president, then why the fuck is 
the country in chaos, right? There mm-hmm. are people who are committing crimes and you're not like you're, you're flexing, you're flexing with militarized policing crap, but it's not actually working. Right. So what I could see, I could see Joe Biden saying, you know, when I was vice president, riots happened and Barack Obama was presidential and he went on television and he calmed people down and they stopped, right? That is the effective way to ensure law and order. Throwing military, the, the US military on the American streets is only going to exacerbate the problem. It's only going to make people more angry, right? So That's what the, I would read. Like Mattis's yeah. statement. Did you read the whole Mattis's whole statement? Like, yeah, no, is, I, I did. I read Mattis's statement. It's 100% right. It's amazing. Yeah. Like it really is. Like it like that's it goes right down to the whole, you know, rule of law and the nature of what a democratic republic is supposed to to look like. And that the the vaunted and until recently pretty sacrosanct separation of the military and 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 uh, and political life. And he just freaking drew the line and Millie yeah. like they they made that motherfucker like apologize yeah. out of his ass. And and even uh, and even with regard to No, I agree. And even with regard to the protests, Biden could say something like Look, you know these these people aren't going out and putting their lives and the lives of their family, fr- family and friends and fellow Americans at risk for no reason. All Trump had to do was say, "I hear you. I am going to actually institute these these changes that you're asking for," and they would have stopped. But he 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 has egged them on, and and they're and they're just going to it's just going to result in more people dying as a consequence. So what I think Biden should do is he should make it be make make it about the fact that. There wasn't chaos before Trump came in, and there is chaos now. And right. then the American people will will think will think about it, and they'll be like, "Ah, eh, we gave the guy a shot, and it turns out he's pretty shitty." That basically <laughs> is every statement I've seen Biden make on this so far. Yeah, he yeah. He, he has he's, been he's doing it already. I, I think he, he needs to be cast. He needs to be cast not as the law and order president, but as the chaos president, because that's what he is. Well said. You know, nailed it. Before Trump, there was everything. You know, there were problems, but now that we have Trump, everything's chaos. And it just that that word just needs to be repeated as many times as possible. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Totally. I think. All right. Do you want to say word. it this time, Jamie? <laughs> Moving forward is our gumbo. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Rio and I are so excited that the Humanity First movement is moving forward. Something you can do to help is go to movingforwardpod.com where you can find us on social media, read our blog, and support us on the Patreon. Right, Rio? Right. So, uh, Jamie... Mm-hmm. Um, we usually did. Did Corey give you the rundown? I didn't. No, you guys. No, I just logged on. Oh, okay. Um, do you listen to the podcast? I do yeah. Oh well, then you know you know the rundown. <laughs> okay. Mm. Okay. Thanks for being flexible. Um, sure, no problem. Yeah, we discussed Corey. Heads up, JB and I discussed recording today, but I forgot to give him a starting time. So he had no idea when we were recording, and I was just like, "Hey, you want to do it now?" And he was like, "Sure, why not?" Dude, that's such a Corey move. I mean, now, now at least, <laughs> now at least people will feel like our two positions on not knowing what the fuck we're doing is consistent. So that's good. I like, I like that.